Since you're new to the valley, Billy, perhaps you don't know that every Halloween I take all these IOUs and I hide them in my house. Then I invite all you young trick-or-treaters to come and search for them. And if you find them, all of your father's debts are forgiven, forgotten, cancelled forever. Your father can make a fresh start. It's all up to you, Billy. It's all up to you. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation last week about the film Magic. Uh, I think that film was wonderful and weird, and we had a really good talk. Um, I have now taken up uh, some puppetry of my own. That is not true. And, uh, you know, that's the last thing I need. I'm 40 years old and overweight. I don't need to start, like, learning how to make dummies talk. I think I already have enough working against me. I think that's the real way to social distancing, honestly. <laughs> just, put, just be like, just put the dummy outside and then just make its mouth move and just like talk, like, you know, from inside, throw, throw the voice. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I think this might keep people at bay. I mean, you don't even need to wear a mask because people are going to be so far away from me. Like, that's the weirdo. No, oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. You stepped upon the right thing. I here, That quarantine comedy, right? I should have the dummy with me. I'll have a mask on so people can't see my lips move. So it's, it's a shortcut. That's easy. Uh, I should do that. Not really system, dude. No, uh, <laughs> that would be just not right. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun talk. So, uh, we're still doing our detours. Uh, we're not going to, we're, we're still putting off, not put, putting off the, uh, can't wait. Can't wait to get back to that second half of the twilight zone. No, it's just, we're, you know, we, we're, we're, we're feeling our oats here. We're going to, we're going to have a little bit of fun, do a little bit more detours before we get to the second half of season five. Um, and with that, uh, we're going to dip into some tales from the dark side. It is a series that has been visited once previously in this, this, uh, podcast where we covered uh, seasons of belief, uh, a really fun Christmas episode. But for this though, we're going to go all the way back to the pilot. Um, so this is, this will be interesting. This is the pilot called trick or treat. And, before we get into like day and date and stuff like that, and we're going to talk about like the the guy, one of the guys that was behind this, which I know Terry would like to talk about a great deal. Um, what is your relationship with Tales from the Dark Side, the TV series? Because I know we've talked about the film already. There really wasn't much of a connection for this. Um, I don't remember it being in on a, uh, like on on the TV in our household. I was also very very young when this came out. I mean, the pilot episode that we're about to talk about um, that aired in '83. I was born in 83. So 
I don't know what kind of distribution rights was going on to have the reruns. So I, I don't remember ever seeing this, but you know, throughout the years I've caught a bit here and there. Um, what's the one, the holiday one, the Christmas episode seasons of belief. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You just said that yeah. a moment ago. Uh, that, that one is awesome. And I really enjoyed that, but the movie is kind of where I found my bearings for the rest of the show. Um, and I adore the movie, which we have covered in the past. And, uh, I, after this and after seasons of uh, disbelief, like I'm really excited about covering other episodes of this. Okay. So my relationship with the series is a little different. Um, so since this, uh, you're, you're right. Like this, like um, where it only was four seasons. So a total of uh, 89 episodes, maybe 90, if you count the pilot, um, the last episode aired in 88. So I, let me, let me just double check our dates here real quick. Let me, let me go to the internet. Um, the pilot was in 83 and then it ran for four seasons from 84 to 88. Um, I would have been about 10 when the series like ended with its official, like new episodes. However, this thing was always made for syndication and that's, that's what it was, right? It just, it was syndicated. So I remember when I was in middle school, going on to high school, I would go Friday, Saturday night, whatever it was. I'd go to the, the local theater, um, in my small hometown, watch the movie, I uh, had my mom pick me up and then I'd come home and probably from like 10, uh, 10 to 11 or 11 to midnight, whatever it was on the weekends, it would, they would show tales from the dark side and monsters. And I remember catching a lot of it. Um, I will say that I feel like, um, much like we've been discovering with the twilight zone, people were like, yeah, I've seen a lot of twilight zone. People really have it unless they've dug in. I feel like Tales of the Dark Side is one of those things where I've seen a lot of it, but if I actually was to go through and actually try to remember episodes, I've probably seen like not even a third of it, right? But it was important. Um, this and Monsters was always a fun back-to-back. Um, I, another thing I remember about this, this series very distinctly is the intro music and the narration because, and I've, I've said this on the show before, my younger brother, he was, he was two years younger than me. He hated, hated the music so much that whenever this was on, he'd forced me to change the channel for a minute until the, the music was over that I could flip back and we could watch the episode. So a lot of fun memories about tales from the dark side, like scaring your brother. Like, I, did you ever record it and just would play it randomly? Like while be sitting around. <laughs> oh, while he was staying with me here, wasn't there? Was it uh, last year uh, for some time? I should have, because you know he's forty, I'm forty-two. I should have definitely, if I had been thinking about it, I should have just like set up a Bluetooth speaker in his room and just started playing it without telling him, and just listen to him just start punching walls or trying to break <laughs> out of the house. Like, yeah, he did not like this music. It's creepy music, and like the intro is just like, hey, what if we're in Amish country, but then it got dark. <laughs> Like it's what it felt like. And then it's like, but there's a dark side. I do love the intro. Like the music's fun. The, the creepy like shots are fun. Um, it's a really, it's a different approach that like I would have expected from a show like the twilight zone. Like that had, it's like memorable, uh, intro and like we, you know, nightmares, uh, not nightmares. Um, the dark room, like that was a fun intro too, for the Mm -hmm. most part. And, um, and monsters is fun too. If you go back and look at the intro of that, it's very much like just, you see monsters sitting down, uh, to watch a TV show. Like it's a bunch yeah. of just weird people, weird monsters sitting down. It's a fun, it's a fun intro as well. Yeah. And, but you know, like it, which shows like tales from the crypt, which I was brought up on and are you afraid of the dark? Uh, that like 
this is right up my alley and I'm surprised I had not really seen it when I was younger. But now that I have some kind of connection to it, which I will I will put this out to people. This is a pain in the ass to get a hold of. At least for me. Like you can buy copies of this off of Amazon and that. I did not have enough time to get that together. Um, I had to go through other resources. Uh, we'll just put it at that. Well, okay. So with that being, did you like, so when I, when I Googled this, um, I saw like some of the stuff's available on like daily motion, which I know that they, they, you can find stuff there. I like when we were, I don't know where you found it. Like it's it, this, this shows what like 30 plus years old. Like it's, they're making their money. I own the, um, the complete series DVD because I was at Best Buy the one day and it was like, I saw it for like 25 bucks. I'm like done. And I was more excited about that than, um, I think we were getting a quote in some appliances or something that day. And like, I'm sure Mary was annoyed with me that we're trying to be adults. I'm like, but it's the full text from the dark side of the series. Like I kept, I'm going like, to need this at some point. Like, <laughs> like I, bu- I bought two copies that day. I'm like, these are, this is important stuff. Like, <laughs> So, yeah. In hindsight, I probably should have picked it up, like going to conventions and that. I probably should have just picked it up, especially since there's a connection to one of my favorite directors of all time, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, I just, I did not think it was going to be that difficult to get a hold of. Like, I thought it was on Shutter. It is not on any streaming. Uh, I'm surprised it's not all. on Paramount Plus because it's a CBS owned um, property. Right. That's surprising. Right. Now, I was, I was surprised by that as well. And, but, like, um, even when you were talking about daily motion, I found the episode that we're about to talk about, but it was in French or something like that. I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so you learned French and then you watched the episode. So good for you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little, a little difficult. So yeah, I, I, I was able to get a hold of it, uh, again, uh, in some kind of connection that I won't really want to talk about, yeah. but, and, um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's 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 a fun ride. So um, yeah, so where do we go from here? <laughs> so with that being said, I, I will say that um, with um, which th- this DVD set so old that when I put it in the disc, it brought up a menu and it said on oh, the left side previews, or the other side said main menu, and I'm like, they give me an option. Oh, I love early early uh, productions where they're like, oh, let's come up with convenience as opposed to making people like watch six like six trailers before we get to the menu, or is there even a menu? Um, so with this though, I, I do have to admit that I did not get to it. There's a special feature specifically for this episode on the collective, the collection that is a commentary track from, from Romero. And I did not get a chance to watch the episode with his commentary, but it's here. And maybe at some point you could, I can dig into that. Like not, not on the podcast, but like you and I just, you know, sipping like nice coffees on a nice afternoon sometime. And we could just bask in the commentary of trick or treat. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. I, I'd love to hear that. I, I mean, I really dig uh, diving into that kind of commentary stuff, uh, especially if it's something I've appreciated over the years. Yeah. So, all right, let's just do some day and date, and then we'll get to uh, cast and crew here. Uh, so uh, the original air date for the pilot was October 29th, 1983. Number one song, Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. You know, when I think of Halloween themes, that one does scare the shit out of me. Um, all right. Number one film, Never Say Never Again. This is a remake of Thunderball, um, the Bond film. This actually, um, this has James Bond. It's actually, oh, sorry, it has James Bond. It has Sean Connery at the last time he's reprising the role of James Bond. The reason this one's different is because 
Um, Never Say Never Again was not produced by Eon Productions, uh, which is the people, like, they're the ones that are in charge. Like, the Broccoli family is the overseers of the Bond, like, film franchise. There was a weird lawsuit that happened about the this original book for Thunderball. And so what happened was someone, like, retained partial rights, and because of that, they could make a movie based upon it, regardless of the other ones. So they just did a remake of Thunderball and brought back uh, Sean Connery, which the the play in the film, the name of the film was Never Say Never Again as a play on Bond's, like when Connery saying he never played Bond again. So that's kind of interesting that there's a rogue uh, James Bond film out there. That's so, that's interesting. So when did the, the first film come out then? Oh, Thunderball was, to... Thunderball was one of the first ones. So let's oh, see okay. here. Um, let's see here. Um, so Thunderball uh, was 65. So that's not one. We've talked about the first Bond film showing up here during like day and date on the show in regards to the Twilight Zone. But Thunderball is one of the earlier ones that did that did appear in the series. Um, so so yeah, so you go from 65 to 83 and it got, you know, it got remade with an older uh, Connery, which um, I, I think that they talked about how his age wasn't that much different than Roger Moore, who was like the Bond at the time. I don't, yeah, anyway. So I've not seen this. Um, honestly, I'll admit I've never seen Thunderball. Like, I think you and I have talked about our um, uh, James Bond exposure, and that's, I feel like there's some stuff that I should probably get into. It just, it was never something I was interested in growing up. Maybe I'll appreciate more of the 60s Bond now. I don't know. I need to stop watching so many uh, superhero films and uh, get right down to actual cinematic classics like but some is, of the uh, is, is Bond, James Bond. Is, is Bond any different than the superhero movie though? Like, is is he no different than Batman except he doesn't wear like a cape and like a face mask? Like, he's always like put up against like the biggest of odds. Uh, he, you know, he has gadgets and he has unlimited funds. I mean, is he that different than Batman? Well, well, I mean, like in the, in the amount of exposure, I've seen a lot of Batman films. I've seen no James Bond films at all. So I, mean, like, I, now need, like the, I now need an Adam West as James Bond film. That's what I mean. That's the big dark mark of my uh, cinematic oh. uh, like exposure to films. And that is no James Bond films after what, 30 or I, however many there are now. I'll say I've watched um, all of the Daniel Craig ones except for Spectre. Not because I just didn't want to see. I just haven't gotten to it yet. And there's some good shit there. Like there's some really good stuff with the Craig, the Daniel Craig films. I, I know. I just, I'm, I need to get off my lazy ass or should I say, get back onto my lazy ass and watch some of there them. So, <laughs> so yeah, there you go. So number one film was never say never again. Uh, so what I have around for day day here, this is just, it's, it, it, again, you know, wouldn't be an episode of Strange Highways without something horrific just mentioning here. So this was on the 22nd, so like the week before. Uh, two correctional officers are uh, killed by inmates in a Marion, Illinois prison. Uh, this incident inspired the Supermax model of prisons. So you hear the phrase Supermax. Um, so those are now... <laughs> where prisoners are kept in their cells for like 23 hours a day, like the worst of the worst, like just, um, like I, I went, I started going down a rabbit hole about supermax prisons. And then I realized how, like how depressing it was, but that event triggered a harsher level of punishment around the time. This episode. That, yeah. What day was that on? That was October 22nd. So, um, okay. a week before. Hmm. Okay. Um, I will go a little further out because as far as Wikipedia is considered, the, 
I guess the funnest uh, note here from the 4th, uh, October 4th, the first Hooters restaurant opened up in Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> I, I, um, I like that it was, it had to be Florida, right? And, and there was never a doubt that it wasn't going to be Florida. Yeah. That, that, I guess it was like, kind of like it, it was, I was on brand, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. So history in the making Hooters opened, uh, Supermax prisons showed up eventually, which I don't know if the first one actually happened in Florida, but it feels right. That's I'm kidding. That didn't happen in Florida. Uh, but Marion, the actual location where this this um, this this killing happened, became one of the first supermax prisons. And there's uh, what was it? I looked, and there's like almost one per state. So yeah, that's you, you know, whew, that's not a thing you want to go anywhere near. And I, I've toured a couple prisons uh, just doing tours, like as in like you know, I'm like you know maybe someday. No, uh, like just from like you've been to Mansfield in Ohio, right? Have you been there for the tour? Well, you've been there for I, yeah, concert, I've done right? the original yeah. facility, not the not the newer one. Well, yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah, right yeah. behind no, it. You, like, not, not the current prison, but the original. I wasn't prison, house yeah. hunting or yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's a view of the courtyard there. Anyway, um, no. So you've toured that. I've been there. I, I, I've been to Eastern State Penitentiary in um, in Philadelphia, which is what the actual first penitentiary. And then I had, I went to. Um, it wasn't a prison, but it was a a mental health uh, facility in, in West Virginia. That was one of the, the, the first of its kind that, you know, when you get to the upper floors where it gets to the more um, violent people, it's very prison like. And so, yeah, uh, it's <laughs> just, just thinking about all that stuff is very, um, very troubling, you know, but anyway, so there you go. That's, that's the history I have is that uh, super maxes were developed and um, yeah, that that's, <laughs> let's hope, let's hope we don't go there. I don't think you and I are ever going to do anything to end up there, but like if it, but no, that's a bad idea. Uh, knock on wood, of course, because um, <laughs> I feel like the man's always trying to get me down and yeah. you know figure out a reason like, to put me. Like in you're jail. gonna be like, oh, um, like parking tickets. It's like you're gonna be a supermax. Like what did this guy do? He's like, I attempted to, to blow people up. What'd you do? Like parking tickets. You son of a bitch. You know. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, white collar crimes. That's probably gonna be. <laughs> yeah. um, I ripped all but, the yeah. tags off all the mattresses and said, do not remove. You know, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that the joke in, um, uh, naked gun, Probably. Uh, 33 and a third. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So in the cast, we go, um, our director on this episode, um, is, uh, Bob Balaban. 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 Yeah. Um, so he did two episodes of the twilight zone for the two thousands run. Um, so that's our little connection there back. Um, one of the biggest things that I was, I was super excited to talk about this is he directed, uh, my boyfriend's back, which I love that movie. And it's a, it's a dark comedy. Um, it's a little dated now at this point. Um, but I feel like it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I finally just got it for Christmas too. So I'm super stoked about, uh, diving into that for some, you know, like a party or something. Nice. Uh, so Bob Balaban's one of those guys, if you saw him, you'd like, like he's all over the place in terms of his output, like in terms of like doing things, not in terms of quality. Um, and it caught me off guard. Cause like when you and I were kicking around ideas for what we're going to cover this week, um, you know, you're like, Oh, George Romero wrote this. And I'm like, but Bob Balaban director, you're like, who? And I'm like, Oh, and we started talking and like, he was in close counters of the third kind. Um, he's recently, was a voice of one of the dogs in Isle of dogs, the Wes Anderson film. Um, he was in best in show and a mighty wind, uh, he, uh, what was it? He was starring in an episode of amazing stories and then directed a different episode of amazing stories and wrote an episode of monsters. Uh, 
Like this guy's not afraid of like digging into genre stuff, but it's like, he's kind of, he does other things too. And I thought it was funny because when I saw that was him directing the episode, I'm currently in the middle of listening to uh, an audio book called Thunderstruck by an author named Eric Larson. And Eric Larson does these, um, he does like a melding of like historical, like actual happenings. And it's not, it's not fiction. It's like historical nonfiction, meaning he'll find these parallel tracks and come up with these interesting stories. And Thunderstruck is the story of how uh, uh, Guillermo um, uh, Marconi, the guy who created, you know, radio, grew up and how his creation of like radio would lead to some of the like um, the capture of some some murders on a crime spree that would have probably not been caught otherwise. And Bob Balaban is reading the book. He's the one doing the reading. And it's like, oh, he has a really good voice for this. And I'm really enraptured. Oh, he also uh, directed an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. Weird. Like, I, I think I like Bob Balaban a great deal. I recognize him. Um, he, he looks like Mike DeWine now that he's gotten older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like the governor of Ohio. If, if, there was a, if you put a wig on him and have him like in the, the Mike DeWine story, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, uh, 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 not very much exposure for me, but yeah, obviously connected to a lot of different stuff and still working. So that's that's excellent. Yeah. Um. So our uh, writers on this, uh, and, and there's two writers that are credited here. I'm not really sure what the second writer's input was as far as like, um, how much he contributed to this episode. But we're gonna list them off here. So first and foremost, we have to talk about George Romero. George A. Romero. Never heard of. Uh, him. Yeah, right. Uh, like who? Um, yeah. One of the greatest, in my in my opinions, one of the greatest uh, horror directors of all time. Uh, a real uh, workaholic. Made Dawn of the Dead, The Crazies, Creep Show, amongst so many different films. I mean, the guy was fantastic. I luckily had a chance to meet him a few years ago before he passed, and he was a really terrific human being. And uh, I'm glad that we're seeing something else. Um, during these conversations, because uh, I, I love horror, and it's if it's it's, whole, it's solely on this man's output. First movie I ever remember watching as a child was uh, Night of Living Dead. So, well, and he, I've, I've fallen in love with horror ever since that moment. Well, and, and he he had a hand of bringing this to series, right? Like that's I think we talked about that a little bit during um, the actual Tales from the Dark Side of the film, right? Because like I think he wanted to do well, hell, he wanted to do an update of like Tales from the Crypt, right? And that's yeah. kind of where we're at with this. Yeah. So Ramiro, from what uh, information I gathered, he was trying to put an anthology series together, um, kind of leading off of the success of Creepshow, the movie. Um, so he had obviously done the first film and the second film. And when he tried to bring this to fruition, um, he was going into a rights issue with the name. So he's like, well, screw it. I'll just call it Tales from the Dark Side then. And that's why we had the movie as well, uh, by the same credit. And it, for all for all intents and purposes, that should have been Creepshow three. So, fair enough. All right. So, so yeah, I know I know Romero is very important to you. I mean, I, I, he he is he's one of the foundational pillars, right, for appreciation of horror, like it just in general. Um, and also his ability to kind of mix in commentary is unique. Well, not, well, I should say it was unique at the time, but it's something that people have chased since. And that's very important. Um, but yeah, I, I, you had told me last week that you're a Romero completist. And when we found out that he wrote this, uh, that you were like, shut up and take my money. And then I was like, well, can you find the episode? You're like, I'll find it. It'll be easy. That's what you said last week. I thought it was going to be easy, <laughs> but for me, 
uh, I was not going to give up. Uh, there was a, a torch that I was carrying that I had to make sure that this was going to be a, a part of our discussion tonight. There yeah. was, it was no stopping me. Damn it. Right. And so, so um, our second credit of, uh, writers on here is uh, Franco Amuri. Um, he did uh, one other uh, Tales uh, from the Dark Side episode. Uh, and then he also wrote uh, Monkey Trouble, which you were super excited about Monkey Trouble for some reason when we were discussing this. <laughs> well, it's actually, it's, I just think it's funny because I remember the cover cover art. Uh, it, just, it might have been from my blockbuster days. Just And I, and I saw that it had, um, I think you and I kind of fell down the hole of looking at the cast. Thora Birch, Harvey Keitel, Mimi Rogers, Christopher McDonald, a.k.a. Shooter McGavin. Uh, who else do we have here? Um, yeah, it's like there's names here and it is, it's a, one of those goofy movies with the, uh, uh, oh, is it the, it's 94 and the girl has a hat on backwards and there's a monkey. And it's like, I want to believe this is the sequel to monkey shines, which I know that's not correct. Um, but I, I think it's the same, uh, species of monkey. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So that, yeah, uh, it's just, I just think this is funny that it's like, Oh, that's a thing that happened. You know? <laughs> You know, so, uh, yeah, so uh, Monkey Trouble, this is what this guy, he, he uh, wrote and directed it. You know, if it was a passion project. I don't I don't know about that. But uh, Italian uh, writer and director uh, does not surprise me that um, Romero would have a working relationship with him because of uh, Romero ended up having some connections with with um, the Italian horror, um, you know, uh, faculty. I'm sure you could speak more to that than I could. But there's a lot of people he ends up working with uh, overseas with some stuff, right? Yeah, especially, um, oh, geez, uh, director for um, Suspiria. Damn, why Why am I coming to a complete fail right now? Um, yeah, I'm terrible. Uh, but yeah, so like he's had connections through uh, the Italian arts and that. So um, next on to our cast we go. Um, so Bernard Hughes. Uh, Dario Argento. Uh, it would be really weird if we didn't mention his name. You're right. So Dario thank Argento. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I <laughs> um, yeah, worked on a few films with him, so. Um, so yeah, um, onto our cast, it's, uh, Bernard Hughes. Uh, he plays, uh, Gideon Hackles. Um, people w- might know him best from Lost Boys as the, as the grandpa from that, um, saves the day at the end. And he was also in Tron. Yeah, he's in Tron. He was in an episode of Dark Shadows, but I just wrote all in caps. Grandpa and the Lost Boys. And after, because I, I watched the episode and I was like, that guy's voice sounds kind of familiar. And I wasn't sure who he was. And then once I once I read that, it all clicked. Yeah, I he's great in the Lost Boys. Oh, he's he's wonderful. And um, so next we have uh, I am Opson. 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 Very brief. Uh, the the two. All right. So I'll pre- I'll preface this too. This is a very short episode. There was a lot of actors in this episode. Um, the the ones I'm going to mention have very small roles, but they get the story going. So uh, this is Mr. Binbull. Um, he is one of two accountants that are uh, at Mr. Hackle's place. Um, he was also in Bram Stoker's Dracula and the cinematic classic Cabin Boy. <laughs> <laughs> These pipes are clean. Yeah. <laughs> And then um, next we have Max Wright, the second of the accountant duels as Mr. Bundle. Um, he uh, he would had a, uh, a stint on Alf. Everybody would know him from Alf as the dad. Not so. just a stint, but yeah, he was Willie. He was Willie from Alf, you know, and I wrote it all <laughs> in caps. I, I wrote that all in caps as well. I don't know why. I was like, Grandpa the Lost Boys, Willie from Alf. Like, I was really excited for that. 
I didn't recognize him at first, but if you just take away the glasses and the mustache, you're like, ah, yeah, yeah. okay. He's gonna, and I love Dal. He's going to get harassed by an alien that just wants to see cats. That's what's going to yeah. happen. Uh, he also he was also in the Stand uh, miniseries that came out in the 90s. Um, so next we have here is uh, Joe Pond uh, Zeko or Zeki. Pond Zeki. There you go. That's, yeah. He plays Atticus Kimball. Um, only thing I knew him from was the Money Pit. That's all Tom Hanks. Yeah. And next, uh, last of two I have here is uh, Noel Johnson plays Billy Kimball. Um, and he's in Lean on Me and Toy Soldiers. Hmm. And um, and uh, last credit here, Eddie Jones, uh, Victor Muldoon. Uh, he was in uh, the creature feature Chud mm-hmm. and Invasion USA. Oh, there you go. That classic. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, here's, uh, here's another. Uh, I have a couple other Chud connections for you. Nice. <laughs> Gotta that, love Chud. Is that the real twist of this episode? There's multiple Chud connections. Uh, so uh, we have Brenda Curran as Sarah Kemble. She was in Chud. Um, and then let's see here. What else do I have? Um, I have uh, Joshua John Miller as the Ricketts' son, uh, who, um, what was it? I don't, there's a lot of kids here. He was in Halloween 3 season, The Witch, class 1999. Um, and then I have. Uh, Let's see here. There was one other Chug connection here. Um, Ed French, who is um, the devil spoiler in this episode. Uh, this is his first of two Tales from Dark Side episodes. He is actually, if you look up his IMDb, he is like his bread and butter is lots of makeup department work. He's still working. He did makeup effects for Sinister 2, Westworld, and Chud. Um, and then, so here is, uh, what was it? Bill McNulty was the pirate. He was the casting in the casting department for Day of the Dead, so you can see why he ended up here. Uh, not the voice of the pirate. I don't know if you saw that trivia. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, and then, supposedly, here's the thing I call bullshit about. It says Jeff Cohen was Timmy Muldoon, so that's the kid in the devil outfit. That's Chunk from the Goonies. I don't buy that for a second. I it, I I recognize the teeth, but I don't recognize the kid. Like I'm like I don't Is recognize it? the I wasn't chunk. Sure. Yeah. Cause this was, this was uh 83 and Goonies came out. What? Um, I looked this up earlier. I should have put this in my notes. Uh, Goonies was 85. I yeah. don't think that's right. I'm not trying to fat shame anybody, but I think chunk was a little older than this kid in this episode. I mean, he would be cause it's, it's two years later, but you know what I mean? So you just did a lot of trick or treating between that move or from this show to that movie. So, yeah. you know, um, so, and also have Francis, uh, Chaney as the witch or he's going to mention her. Uh, she has 18 credits, but she ended up doing a lot of, a uh, couple episodes of different playhouse shows. Like we've talked about playhouse 90, uh, Desilu playhouse, like maybe not those specifically, but she did a lot of like, she was in a couple of those for different networks that would be at the time of the twilight zone. So I thought that was worthy of noting, but that's really yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's our that's our cast for the for this episode. Yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah, we've already talked longer than this episode actually ran for. So, where where are we at with this? Uh, this is it's. I want to say this isn't. Is this a three act story? Because I feel like the first the first act is kind of it's almost like a prologue, and then the, like the then the second half is an entirely different story. Like, does that? I don't know how you feel about that. I guess that's fair to say. I mean, there's a little bit of groundwork here that we have to lay um, prior to uh, getting the motivations 
of Mr. Hackle and like I guess what the the townspeople have to do with it too. So I, it, yeah, it's a it's a little disjointed, but um, yeah. So so yeah, the way we open up into this is we see two accountants that are at Mr. Hackle's place. Um, it's like three in the morning, so they're going over the finances um, for for Mr. Hackle's estate. And, um, they come, they, I, I don't know if you caught this too, but they have to ride in like a 45 minute ride from, um, Philadelphia, they yeah. Philadelphia. it's like, that all right, three in the morning because it's after business hours and hackles, you know, <laughs> that guy, he will stay up if it's, if it's cost effective that I think cost effective is like, it should have been his middle name. Right. And so I, I mean, they, these are how, uh, like very reasonable, uh, businessmen, these accountants here. So either way, um, as they're going over the finances and that, we find out that Mr. Hackle is kind of a penny pincher, especially to the point where he's going to charge the one gentleman who asked for a second cup of coffee for four cents. He's charging him four cents for the cup of coffee. Yeah. And he's just like, I, you know, I, I don't let a penny slide. People throw away pennies all the time. I'm not that kind of gentleman. That's why I've become so rich. So now we we understand that not only is he rich, but he doesn't give a crap about anybody to the point where it's like he's given a free ride, not even for a four cent pe- a cup of coffee. So yeah, um, they, that whole thing is like he's like he tells Willie he's like it'll be four cents. He's like <laughs> and he's like no, he's like that's the that's the cost of the coffee plus a markup. And it's like oh, you're that guy, you yeah. Know? Like um, and so, yeah, like, I just wonder how. He- he made that a sort of adjustment because I mean, shit, man. If it's only four cents, I would have bought, bought like a you know a few cups more. I'd be like, all right, just throw it on a quarter, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I only have four cents, so just take a quarter and throw me a couple more glasses right now. He's you know like yeah, you're right. So but like I also when you said penny pincher that that actually I think I think they're making the literal joke about that because they mention. The accountants are like, oh, well, you, you know, your devices or whatever made you the money. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I, you know, I've made clasps and he has like this little case full of like these different clasps, but he also has like a frame of the first penny that he actually earned. Um, but then below he made his bread and butter from clasps. So I'm like, oh, he really, he's a literal penny pincher because he developed these clasps and he saves every penny. It's like, this is like. Um, and I, you, you and I could talk about this further, maybe at the end, but it's like, like I, I, I do enjoy Romero a lot too. Subtlety isn't always his strong suit. Like he is hitting home with this guy's a pity pitcher and it's fun because you got to get to the point with these episodes, but he's not hiding the literal nature of this guy. And it, I'm getting a lot of like, um, like Gollum vibes, the way he's treating <laughs> money in that. My and he especially, yeah. like, especially when he takes this, uh, sack, like a literal, uh, like burlap sack or like a fabric sack and he's clutching it to his, his chest. And he's like, yeah, people just, they don't know about money and you know, they just, they don't think about it and blah, blah, blah. You know, like this whole little monologue that he has to himself about money. And, um, and when he, he pulls it over to the table and he starts dumping it out we see that there's not only like money in there and change and um, like, jewels. Yeah, there like are necklaces there are, and things. Yeah. There's jewels in here too. It's like, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, he also has these bundles, these uh, small bundles that are, uh, uh, they are 
bound together by a rubber band. And he says, go ahead and add this to the books too. And they're all IOUs for some of them are for very small amounts of money. So um, the, the one accountant makes the joke like, huh, I think everybody in this town owes them money. And of course, Mr. Hackle says, not everybody, but a, 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 like a large portion of them or something like that. So at, not only is he, he's a penny pincher, but he is looming over these people's heads in the town too. Now that we understand it's like, there's some extra motivation for his character. The, the, the looming shadow of debt that follows this episode through is a much, it is, it's an effective fulcrum, right? To hold this town in check for him, right? Like it is, it's one of those things. It's one thing to be like, Oh, I have a lot of money. It's another thing to be able to exert like will over others because he has not owed something. And that's where his riches come from is his leverage, not his, um, I mean, yeah, saving pennies when he gets some, but it's all about exerting control. That That's his wealth. Yeah, and it's not about relationships and any, uh, you know, foothold that he has in something with somebody else. Like, nobody's doing anything for him. It's the control that he has over everybody else. And, um, you know, the one accountant says to him, like, why don't you just put this stuff in a bank? And, um, you know, Mr. Hackle says that, he doesn't trust banks. He doesn't trust people. He doesn't have clerks that work for him. It, it's 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 all his baby, and that's when he also starts to like make this like a uh, gesture to like, what's that noise? What's going on there? And <laughs> he starts messing with the lights and sends but in this. Did you hear the noise though? What does the noise sound like? To you heard music. It sounded like a xylophone. Did you hear that? Like, I could barely, it was okay. barely audible to me. This to me, I, I said, I asked you about this before the episode and you're like, I don't know what that is, but this sounded like the filmation. Like this is what I heard at the beginning of every He-Man episode. I swear to Christ, this is what he heard. Every time he's like, why do I hear this? I'm like, I don't know. Is He-Man about to give you a lesson? Hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Go, go back. I you're going to hear, you're going to hear that every single time. It's like, oh no, we're going to get Orko showing up here. <laughs> and that's even worse. Um, but yeah, so it, like he hears this noise and that, and he starts goofing with the lights, and then all of a sudden, this uh, puppeteered uh, monster things flies into the table and scares the shit out of the two accountants. And they're of course like, "What's this all about?" And he's like, "Oh, it's it's Halloween, guys. Everybody loves a good scare, or whatever he says." And you know, like it's a big deal for him. Halloween is a huge. Uh, a huge thing for him that it kind of comes into play here in a moment. Yeah, no, it ties, it ties everything together. I'm, I, what I'm saying is like, we get that and that's your first commercial break in this episode. Right. And then when we get to the next day, there's a, another thing that shows his ingenuity where uh, the cuckoo clock fires off and it starts like this, um, like Rube Goldberg uh, device thing that, you know, it's, it's not that complicated, but you get the idea that he understands engineering and it causes the, uh, the closed sign in his front window of his shop to flip to open through a series of, uh, you know, pulleys and, and, and levers and like rope. So he's a clever man, not a good man, but he's clever. And so, so we get that. And then also with the monster earlier before the commercial break, he, he understands how to stage things, which is important here in a minute. But I'm just saying like that whole sequence, like you could have probably cut that out 
it had him directly interfacing with the people of the town. And I think you would have gotten across that he holds all of their futures in his, in his hands because of the IOUs, you know, like I think we could have maybe sped that a little forward and spent more time in, um, his house. I'm sorry, the spirit store that he lives in. No, that's a good point. I, I, I think you're, you're definitely right about that and probably, um, really elaborated on some of the scares and some of the other, um, plot points to this episode. Some, cause like, from here, it actually it's it's pretty it's a pretty fast watch. Like there's there's a lot going on, but it's, everything is moved along so quickly. Yeah, which is positive, right? So we get uh, we get um, oh, was it the Kimballs, right? That's the the main family we have here, right? Billy and his father they're yeah. showing up early because they want to make a payment on the debt. And uh, we got Hackle saying, "Oh, you're 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 coming for Halloween tonight," and they're like, "Nah, we're not going to do that." And he's like, you know, but I insist. And it's like, so that's when we learned the sinister notion of this, that he, one, holds all these people's debts in his hands, and two, gives them the opportunity once a year to send their kids into his house. And if they can find the IOU, he'll wipe the slate clean and they will have, you know, they can start over again and not have to owe him any money. Um, but like Kimball's father is like, he's like, nah, you know, we're good. And, uh, and then Hackles is like, oh, well, maybe I should double your payments. And the father, I love his line of like, take it, just take the farm. He's like, it's like, you get that point where you're against the wall where it's like, I already owe you money. Like what's double at this point? Just, you know, I'm not going to let you, um, just hurt my son. Cause this is mean and cruel. Uh, but then as they're leaving, you get uh, Hackles saying like, you know, well, you know, most families force their kids to do this. And then that, I think that says a lot. Like he, he puts, he makes everybody else worse around him, which I think is kind of, it's stated, but it's not expounded upon a whole lot, except for the next father that comes in to buy a costume. And it, it sucks too, because uh, Billy can see that his, his, you know, his dad's down on his luck in that he wants to, he's trying to convince his dad, like, I do want to come over there and do this. And of course, like he, he's more concerned about his kid's safety because we don't necessarily understand what happens at uh, the the, the mansion or whatever at this point hackles place but we know that nobody's really they're not too happy about it they just kind of deal with the the, the trying to get the the debt resolved well then there's, there's that big bit too whenever the the father is like ah he's probably it's like the the the, the notes probably aren't even there anyway and then heckles is like oh i never cheat it's he's like he's like i you know because i can afford to which is an important line of being like basically like why would i cheat everybody i have all the money anyway you know which is kind of a strong line it gets betrayed later we'll talk about that when we get there um but it's like you get the notion that for someone that owns everything the one thing he truly wants is to destroy hope for the town. Right. And what's the best way to do that by making the parents force their kids that the kids don't understand, but then have the kids be scared and fail and just continue the cycle. It is, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's on the nose, but it, it's kind of like the notion of like, um, are you familiar with like the, the phrase company town? Do you know what those are? No. So with mining communities, uh, the mining companies would, um, since they would do like housing for the employees and then charge them, 
uh, while working for rent. And then they would also have like a general store that they could use a company script to pay for, you know, like goods. Right. But then the wages that they would get would be less than what they could afford. Uh, so they would basically be like put on this IU cycle with the company store and the company town to where they were um, indentured servants. He's doing the same thing here. Like he's making this town into a company town of like, no, sure, sure. I'll give you what you want. You owe me. And then they could never overcome it. And the guy doesn't have like the slightest bit of a bleeding heart at all. No. Um, he's a real son of a bitch. Um, but yeah, we also see that, uh, Mr. Muldoon comes in and he said that he's, you know, he's picking up a, a costume for his son and he's like, Hackle's like, oh, does that mean that Timmy's going to be coming out tonight? He's like, yeah, he's going to come, and he's going to get you, man. He's actually going to find those, and he's going to he's going to save the farm and everything. And um, you know, it's like we see that there's such motivation for these people that like they're even like he says that he yeah, I've, ta- I've taken my sh- uh, strap to my son yeah, and that and like, he, he like is damn, beating, he's beaten this kid to toughen him up to be ready to go to this haunted house. Like how? How messed up is that? That a parent is like, I understand that what I'm doing is breaking my child to try to assuage. You know, it's there. It's a very small thing in this episode, and it's skated upon real quickly, right? But that to me is the darkest part of this whole cycle. Is that uh, Heckle's activity is causing parents. Like parents can make the decision to beat their child or not. I'm not saying that like you know he's forced their hand. No pun intended, but it's happening and he's aware of it and he's okay with it. And it seems like it might've been happening for a while up to that point too, because it is going to be the first, uh, Mr. Muldoon said, it's going to be the first time that the Muldoons don't, uh, family doesn't owe you money. Like, so maybe like maybe his father had to owe him money too, right. because, uh, Mr. Hackle is actually a pretty old guy here. So yeah. he's probably had that angle for a very long time. Well, he, he took his money and then went, went West, right? He went to, uh, uh, you know, where the vampires are. And then he, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, he ended up having that fridge with his own separate space for his snacks. That's how rich he is. And that old That's car he had, you know, like, I don't know, maybe what was the name of the, the town? Was it Santa? What was it? Uh, in the lost boys, Santa Clara. Uh, That's uh, no, not, not Santa Clara. It's, I forget it. Damn it. <laughs> you put me on the spot. I, this is all things that I would get on any normal day, but, uh, um, but yeah, yeah. Don't touch the root beers though. <laughs> That's uh, what I'm saying. Like just, you know, um, Oh, they went to Santa, Santa Carla, California, Santa Carla. Yeah. yeah so he, you know, murder capital of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch his root beers. <laughs> That's why <laughs> and it, and that old car, that car was in good shape. You know, he just, he bled part of Pennsylvania dry and then went West, you know, as you do anyway. Uh, but yeah, so we get this whole setup of like, basically, like, and I almost feel like this is one of these story nuggets that can like, maybe, I don't know if this could have been like a full on like film, but it could, I think there, I think there's some bones here that this could have been a really fun feature, right? Like exploring a little bit more. There's a Ray Bradbury like aspect to this, right? Cause I know you and I had, had somewhat in the past year read, uh, something wicked this way comes. There's something here I, about that small town, like rot that I think could have been explored further. Yeah, it definitely has the Bradbury uh, vibes to it. And, uh, you know, especially with this being more like horror centric, I I think Ramiro could have expanded this out and done at least a little longer featurette for possibly like a, a, 
uh, Tales from the Dark Side movie. Like this could have fit decently in that or um, had a different adaptation that would have worked into another like um, at a, um, anthology movie what he would have done later or something. So, yeah. So then we get to um, the night of Halloween and we get uh, <laughs> um, we get Mr. Heckle's house of uh, wonders and he is setting everything up. Uh, to, you know, he's basically setting up like this double dare gauntlet, right. For kids to try to get through the legends of the hidden temple, but scary stuff, right. <laughs> it's, that's better, right. It's, it's finders keepers and no one gets to keep anything, but he ends up putting the bundle of IOUs in the fireplace. But like, a, like he reaches up and puts like a, like a, like a little ledge inside the fireplace. So you see that as a viewer. And then as kids are coming in, I like his operation center. Like none of it makes sense. Like if you think about it a little much, it's like you have jump ropes from the ceiling and you have like a tube you yell into, but it is um, the pulpiest of pulp rooms I've seen where it's just him with his command center. And it's, it's really fun for, for watching this episode and especially like so many years later, um, this is the one thing you kind of have to hand wave about all of this because it just, it looks ridiculous, but I love, I love how it's set up it, because it's, it's like what a little kid would have made for their own, like little, you know, base or something like that with the like, uh, tubes that would connect. You could see out, uh, what are those called? Um, uh, periscopes. Yeah. Like little yeah. periscope that looks out to the front door and everything. It's, it's just, actually pretty fun. I just like that the one of the buttons he's pressing is like a burple. Do you remember burples? I don't know if you remember, but it's like this big plastic container that like accordions out. He's like, I'm going to hit this a couple of times. I'm going to pull some jump ropes. <laughs> like it's, it's like, it's like if Willy Wonka had like, um, like, like a really distant, like shitty, like, like uncle that couldn't <laughs> afford the chocolate factory, but was like, I still kind of want to punish children, but can I do it at home? You know, that's, that's my theory. I think that that's a good way to describe this, uh, the, the shitty uncle. That, <laughs> um, it's, like, he does, yeah. it's like, he has, he has no interest in making chocolate. He just wants to scare children. And Wonka's like, that's no way to make a living. He's like, shut up. I'll make clasps, you know, whatever. This is, this is the dude I aspire to be when I'm older. <laughs> I, oh, I did. I have You're my never going to get your ball uh, back. Yeah. Maybe I like, I, I think I had my notes here at some point. I was like, this is Terry's house. Like, you know, just like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll uh, still want to do all of the haunted house stuff. Cause I'm going to still love Halloween, but I want to terrify the shit out of children. So yeah. <laughs> but I feel like now though, with technology, you could probably have like a, a room that you could do some of this stuff. Right. But like, it is, I love the analog nature of it. And it's really fun to see him like look through a peephole and see the kids. And then when he announces, like he's speaking through the tube, like, like the audio doesn't match, like the audio outputs very creepy you know, it's not possible, but you get it, you know, like it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun setup in terms of like, as the viewer of like, don't overthink it. He's sending kids in. Um, and he's like talking to them the entire time, taunting them. And it's like, this, this is his, um, you know, this is his bonus day. This is his Christmas Turkey, right? This is, this is what he lives for. Oh yeah. He's giddy too. He's super giddy about it while he was setting up the house and everything. It's like, Okay, this is going to be great. And um, while he's setting things up, we hear a voice, which the audio is kind of strange when you hear uh, certain voices come in. Um, this little girl that's uh, you know knocking on the door, I was I was actually kind of creeped out by the voice. I was like, wait, what? All right, now where is this going to go? Because I know that this uh, this show took some weird avenues, and of course, with it being Ramiro, I'm like, 
this is going to be the turning point where it's going to get super like creepy or, you know, um, we're going to see something paranormal happen at this point. Um, but it's, it's a little girl and she, it's, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, Oh, it's just a little girl. I was like, that, <laughs> <laughs> really, really, I was disappointed. A little it's girl. a child. Damn sorry, it. it's, yeah. It's like, Oh, Oh, it's just, it's just one of those kid things that happen that people make. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. So yeah, the first girl shows up. <laughs> Three of and, 10 uh, do not like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it lost some points for me. As soon as I saw there was actual kids involved, I was like, damn it. Child actors suck. Halloween's um, for adults. <laughs> yeah. And, and booze. Um, yeah. And um, so, yeah, so it's this little girl and she's dressed up as a witch, which we might, we should point out here. Um, and she's the first uh, contestant to, to look for the IOUs. And um, her mother, you know, of course, like t- gives her some bravery outside and that and shoes her in. And she's, while she's walking around the house, she's hearing noises and audible like th- things to scare her that are being committed by hackle in his little uh I-, I don't know control base or whatever you want to call it and uh nothing's scaring her quite yet and then all of a sudden this puppeteered monster that he's controlling pops up out of the ground and scares the shit out of her and she runs out of the house <laughs> And like at full speed, like I was, I was surprised there wasn't smoke behind her feet. <laughs> well, like can we also mentioned that when her mother sends her in, there's this pain look on mother's face. So like you can go ahead and do this. Like, and you can see you, you get oh, it. Like it's a real small moment of the mom trying to be like, no, 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 it's okay. And you see her look of like her face of like worry for her daughter, but also like, you can just feel like, oh, there's a lot of money riding on this, you know, yeah. like, um, yeah, maybe this is like the, the Nick Jr. version of the running man. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, um, so yeah, so the girl, like, she beats feet. I like that, like, she doesn't get, like, she, she's like, tells her mom she's going to be here. And then she just goes running through the field, like, behind, like, but again, that's, that's the realest reaction to anything happening in this episode. Like, if you're a little kid and you're terrified, it does not matter. You're out. You're like, gone. I do and- not blame Bessie whatsoever. And the the more uh, the more vi- uh, scary visual here is Mr. Hackle coming to their front door and just laughing his ass <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> and she, the little girl looks back at that moment and is like, "I'm out of here, dude. I don't know what this guy is capable of in the yard." Which I have to point out too. I don't know if it's quite visible yet. He has a graveyard in his front yard, so like a family plot of some sort yeah. or whatever. I'm like, this guy would not be the house that I would have gone to as a kid. If I was that little girl's age, I would have been, nah, man, I'm sorry, mom, dad, just going to have to start eating government cheese. I don't know. Like we, I'm not, we're not getting those IOUs back. <laughs> it's like, I'll, you know, like, fine, I'll go, I'll go to the community college. I don't know what that means. Um, also like, I don't care if he has full bars. I'm not going anywhere near that place. You know, right. <laughs> no, no full bars. I don't care that happening. Um, so, yeah. I know we're all alumni of Triangle Tech. I'm not going there again. It's fine. I understand. I don't. I know we don't have the money here. Let's just anyway. And then uh, soon after, we get two more contestants: a uh, 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 son and daughter of some family, and they, of course, get this the crap scared out of them as well. Um, I forget what 
what scared them. I think it was some just a, a, oh, it was a bat. It was, it was a the flying bat. Yeah, bat. It was the bat that he. It, I like that. Like uh, Hack was like, what was it? Was pressing the burple or whatever, like the button to like pump. It was like an accordion button, right? Like the yeah. like boop, 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 and it's like it causes a bat to go like scre- screeching. It does like none of it makes sense. That's why I was like, yeah. what, what was in my notes here? I have it. Um, oh, what was it? There's something here. I, I said this is like uh, Hackle's house is just a dick version of a spirit Halloween store. That's what I wrote. So all the all the like the motion activated stuff. It's like yeah, it's like the dick version of spirit Halloween. Yeah, yeah. This is the more like since he set up everything and he has some like handmade stuff. It is more along the lines of like the great value version of what you would have gotten. <laughs> I know I've made this comparison in the past, but I always think it's gold. I just I like that you went from government cheese to great value, and it's like, yeah, you know, not that far off. I, I agree. He's, I, he's still a petty pincher, so yeah. he doesn't yeah. want to have to go like uh, all out of limb spending the, you, the full amount of money. You know, he bought all his Halloween shit the day after it went on sale. Yeah. Like the previous year, right? Like, and you know, and you know that bear that he got. You know, he bought that at an estate sale. Like, you know, like we know. Like, yeah, this is, this is the kind of guy that's like, oh no, no, you're going to make ramen. You're going to have that water. You save that water for later. Cause that's a good water. You know, like don't, don't ruin any of it. Don't lose any of it. You know? Right. Ugh. So, <laughs> so yeah, they're scared out of the house, of course, by the bat. And then, uh, we get another one in here. This is uh Mr. This is, what is it? Timmy, Timmy, uh, uh Muldo, Muldoon. 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 Yeah. yeah. Timmy Muldoon. Yeah. The kid so, that got right. beat in the shape, you know? Uh, oh, for, I forgot to mention too that one of the two children that just escaped was dressed up as a pirate. So, um, and then Mr. Uh, Muldoon's son Timmy, he's dressed up as a, a little devil character, and he gets a little further into the house, and we can see that Hackles is like really trying his best to scare this kid. He's he's putting on uh, putting on the greatest show he can. He's pulling all the levers and all that stuff. Nothing's working on this kid yet, and then. He is, he's inches away from finding the IOUs. Yeah, you know, his the, hands in the fireplace. And I just want to point out there, that's where Hackles is saying, colder, colder. He's cheating. After yeah. he said he never cheats because he didn't have to, he's purposely cheating because he knows how close this kid is. And that to me, like, like yeah, he's an asshole throughout here, but it's like, this shows that he doesn't even have like his own rule set. Like he said, like, he's just a liar. And it'd be one thing if you're this hard hearted son of a bitch. That's like, no one give me anything. Nobody's ever given me like anything, like no treats or whatever he says at one point. Um, if they would have give him like the scrap of like, like at least he follows his own rules. I don't know. Like, but he's a liar. He's a liar and a cheat is what he is. But there's, there's definitely like a saw vibe going on here too, yes. because like later on in the movies, the characters break their rules to make sure that nobody can get out of the scenario. And that's exactly what happens here from, you know, uh, Hackle's uh, actions. So, of course, um, Timmy abandons uh, looking up the, the chimney and he starts going towards the area that Hackle says that he's getting warmer now. And he's getting warmer. And he's about to enter like what looks like to be a dining area. And all of a sudden from around the corner turns a giant like brown bear or grizzly bear. And the thing is massive. And of course, if I, I think anybody would have had the, the, 
their shoes scared off of them because this thing is big and badass. Yeah, I would have been, I would have been uh, actively scared peeing all over that bear. That would have been that, bad. Yeah. This thing will look badass. I want this thing so bad. I want like, I just want some big taxidermy bear and I don't care where I need to find it and put it. I just, this thing was kick ass. And of course, Timmy runs out and you know, he, he gets consoled by his father. You know, you know that the father, He's talking this big game in the beginning and saying how you much know the he's father feels Timmy. bad, but we also don't know if, if Timmy's going to get the like get the belt later that night anyway. We don't know that, you know. Yeah. You know, the dad could be like, "I'm sorry, you know, this is going to be 30, 30 licks, right?" Like, <laughs> it's rough, man. Yeah. It's it's rough, and it's like, and you get Hackle looking out there again, laughing, but then he sees the embrace of the two, and he's he just has this pissed off look on his yeah, face, like, like oh, they're, backwards. They they're not understand. miserable enough. Yeah. Well, because at one point he says, I, uh, let's see here. Um, what was it? I think, um, this is, I think this is what he says to like, never listen to your heart, never lose sight of your goal and never forget that nothing is more important than like more powerful than gold. I think he says that at one point, he says it at one point to the kids basically being like, he wants to prove this whole thing is just to prove his point of like, nothing matters. The, the most important thing is money. Right. And he wants to keep proof because I also have this feeling that if he can prove that, then he's right in his actions in his own head. Yeah, and you know, and he's he has nobody to like impress. It's all about justifying his own actions. Yeah. You know, and then of course, you know, him talking to himself, it shows that he's just that much more comfortable with being a weirdo and a reclusive. Like, I mean, he's just he's he's patting himself on the back here. What and, else does um, he do for the other 364 days in this house though? Right? Like this whole thing is supposed to be like this fine tuned machine. Like, does he just like now does he set things up and just like on the off chance that like, like a Jehovah's witness shows up and lets him in the house. Like, what do you do the other part of the year? You know, like traveling salesman, like, like, Oh yeah. I'm in rush encyclopedias. Just, just come on in bear. You know, what do you do? I mean, I don't see anything wrong with those either. <laughs> I think that's the appropriate action, honestly. <laughs> well, yes, I'd like to talk about my Lord and Savior, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, uh, you know, after uh, Timmy's uh, escaped and that, um, he starts going throughout the house, and there's some weird, there's some weird activity in the house now. Um, the clock is spinning out of control, uh, the hands of the clock, that is. Uh, all of a sudden, a candle lights on its own, and he hears weird noises happening throughout the house. And when he goes down to his control center, he sees that all of his jump ropes are swinging around like crazy in that, too. Like, he could do some double dutch right now. That's how much they're swinging around. Yeah. Um, so, and all of a sudden, he hears uh, another knock at the door. And when he asks who it is, and he looks out the the um like what did i call it the uh periscope he sees that there is a witch uh, a person dressed up as a witch or something like that in front and he could tell that this isn't it, it's not a child and he tries to call this person out like no adults it's only supposed to be the kids that are coming in and doing this and all all this character just keeps on saying is trick or treat mr hackle and it is if i had my headphones on while i was watching this it is the worst audio, dude. Like it is, it, it pissed me off so bad. This person's voice in my ears 
was excruciating and i had to watch it at least two times i'm like i just can't handle it anymore <laughs> this this character was a little over the top for me and uh, versus know, and, what's coming next <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, it's, um, it's a bit frustrating because it's like, it's just from the jump. There is, there is no doubt that this is an actual witch. Um, it's, it's almost leprechaun levels of like, um, like garish, like makeup and voice work. Uh, but yeah, I like hackless is like, no adults. And like, and like at first he's kind of not phased, but then, you know, she gets up and flies over him like that, that, that would be a reason to give yourself pause. And then she ends up uh, pulling all of the IOUs out of the fireplace and, and, and holds it over his head and starts taunting him. And that's when he's like, oh, shit, something bad's happening right now. It, it took that long, though, to be like, oh, you're messing with my property. Now I'm upset. Yeah. So he tries to run down the hall and he goes into some separate room that was uh, adjacent to the hall. And there is a zombie pirate that is laughing maniacally at him. And makes another uh, little, con- uh, I guess, a wall safe open up to have more IOUs and start flying around. And money. Like, it was one of those, um, it's like one of those things you find on a game show where someone's like, ah, get into the money tornado. Like, it just kept blowing around. He's like, but my money, you know, and he was trying to grab it all. Um, so, yeah, that's he starts getting focused on that. Um, so, here's the trivia. Like, did you see the trivia regarding the pirate? Um, yes. Uh, okay. Um, the voice was the, well, the laugh of the pirate character was Tim Curry's laugh. All right. I think that's great. Like, why not? Right. Class it up a little bit. Get some Tim Curry in here. And he has a fantastic laugh. Yes. I mean, Tim Curry's the man, um, better laugh than the witch. I'll just say that. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. That, that was, this was super annoying. Uh, and, um, so as he's trying to get all of his money, like you were saying, all of a sudden another door opens up. As he looks inside, it's kind of reddish and tint and all that. And there's this weird tunnel. And there are like two demons that are uh, gross looking. And then like a devil character that is uh, taunting him by saying, you're getting warmer. You're getting much warmer. And then like basically calling him into the room and uh, making him crawl through this tunnel. And as um, he's cleared the doorway, the door slams behind him. Yeah, I'd like uh, let me just like for for as low budget as this is, uh, that doorway to hell is actually kind of cool looking. And the guy um, who had the devil uh, makeup one we talked about here previously that was um, uh, Ed French, and he's the one that does makeup effect stuff. I think it works. And also, I like that there's this kind of like. I don't know how to describe it. Like his delivery of the lines of like, you're getting warmer, you're getting hotter. is like pretty effective. Um, and so it's like, you forget for a moment of like, Oh, this is supposed to be his house. Now it's a portal to hell. I think it's pretty effective for what it is. And then we, we're going to find out that he's going to end up in California shortly thereafter, uh, fighting vampires, but whatever. Um, I think that, I think the hell room was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I, I loved what they did with it. And, um, I think it was pretty effective too. Um, this was probably one of the most uh, interesting parts of the entire episode is the how the encompassed version or well the encompassed idea of his demise is mm-hmm. going to be him going to hell through this portal uh, because of his actions and that I thought I think it was pretty fun you know yeah um, I just wish that the 
the witch thing would have been pulled off a little bit better. Well, don't worry. We get to see her again in a second because um, uh, we get, um, oh, what was it? Uh, Billy showing up to the house with uh, this wonderful grease paint mustache that's terrible. And he goes to like challenge, like, you know, challenge the house. And he goes knock on the door. Cause he wants to try like, cause he, he earlier, he was looking through a window and saw his dad with his mom on the old farmstead from 300 years ago. She's serving him soup and she's like, ah, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, we'll just lose the house and sell two kids or whatever. And he's like, nah, you know, but anyway, Billy, Billy's going to go. He's going to try to save the day. Knocks on the door. The witch shows up and the witch is like cackling, which Terry loves. And then she like throws all the IOUs at him. And then as she's flying away, not only does she throw like IOUs, it's like he hits like, I don't know, like the Powerball because he gets like cash dropped, a sack full of gems, um, you know, a puppy that didn't happen. But like everything happens. He's like, neat. <laughs> like he doesn't question. You know, he's not scared once of this witch that just flies away and drops everything in his hands. He just and he runs through the, the graveyard in front of the house. But there's already a tombstone uh, for heckles there. But whatever. It is what it is. And I try, I don't know if you're, um, uh, whatever copy you have of this, if you could see it a little bit clearer than I could, but there was some text on there that I could not read because of the transfer I had. It was something along the lines of like, um, uh, you can't take it with you, but he tried to, or something to that effect of like, or he did something that effect of like, basically he's a greedy son of a bitch and tried to take it with him on the way out. Something to that effect. I could, it wasn't quite clear either. Okay, yeah, because my transfer is not the best at all. Um, well, to be fair, yeah. like even with the DVD, which I know that's not always the, like the best uh, resolution. Like the way, like since this was shot, you can tell it was cheaply and shot kind of soft. Like it's still a little hard to see all that. Yeah, but yeah, that's the that's the end of our episode. There, uh, mm-hmm. Hackles went to hell. So. <laughs> yeah, rightfully, where so. he's going to stay warm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, warmer. No, uh, so. Yeah, no, it, it was a fun. It, this, this is more like when we talked about Are You Afraid of the Dark? I feel like this is Are You Afraid of the Dark after dark, but not by much. This pretty much could have been an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. All you needed was a brother and sister that fought the entire time in this house. That's what would have been the difference maker. It, it felt very uh, like Are You Afraid of gar- a Dark uh, adjacent. Um, and really, the darkest tone to this entire uh, <laughs> Are episode. Are You Afraid was- of the Dark Side? That should have been the name. <laughs> no, anyway. Yeah. Uh, the darkest thing about this entire episode was the, the, the father talking about how, you know, he was hitting his kid to prepare him for this thing. Like that was like, if you got rid of that, I think this could have fit right in. No, there's, there's an implied cycle of violence for this entire town that is upsetting, you know? So, so yeah. Um, but you know, this was fun. Like it was just, it was kind of like a nice, um, not palate cleanser is not the right thing I want to say because watching magic last week was a great experience. I had a lot of fun with that movie, but that's a full length movie. This is like a 25 minute episode. It was nice to kind of get back to some short form stuff. And if this was the pilot that got the other 89 episodes of tales from the dark side created awesome. And, um, I can't wait to dig more into the series because, um, I think there's some, I think there's some gold in those hills. Uh, because of some of the casting and some of the people they bring in. Um, not everything's going to be a winner as we proven with uh, the twilight zone, but um, for a syndicated show that it lasted four seasons, yeah, there has to like, there, there's something here, right? There, there's going to be something here that I think we're going to, we're going to stumble across and we have a lot of fun with it. The, the weird thing I had a, a question about though, is 
I'm looking here at the the Wikipedia for the series. Um, it says that obviously that this episode was aired on October 20, uh, 29th, nineteen eighty three, but the the series didn't start until September thirtieth, nineteen eighty four. Where did, did did this air on on television, or was this just something that like a boardroom saw and then they fit it in? where they could like, I don't understand That's the fair. gap. Um, I, c- I could imagine that since it's a pilot, um, they probably put this out in some test markets to see how it went and got okay. some feedback. And they, and since it was also for a half hour and it was right before Halloween, I could see, cause like a lot of these syndicated things would like, like I ended up watching this on a Pittsburgh affiliate. Um, cause the, the cable market I was in, 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 in North, uh, North central West Virginia or whatever, a lot of it was Pittsburgh overlap. And one of the stations that showed this was a Fox station at the time, um, which Fox, if you remember, um, was still fledgling. So they didn't have a lot of programming to fill everything. So uh, it was a WPGH uh, 53 in Pennsylvania. I think that was the name of the, the, the station. They would do a lot of this stuff. So I'm going to guess there was a lot of like, hey, this is a syndicated pilot. Let's just put it out there, see what happens, you know, like um, and to see if there's some feet there. Because otherwise, you'd been shown what Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock presents. Um, I don't know what else was out at the time. The Dark Room, which I mean, no one was watching. It, let's be honest. Um, but you know, like there were some of these smaller stations that were picking up a lot of syndicated things. So it makes sense that they would air it just to see what happened, especially around Halloween. Like, why not? Yeah, I just felt like that was such an odd um, gap in time. I was like, I mean, why would it take that long? Usually, with pilot episodes. I mean, it's kind of what they throw out there at the first, but like things are handled in such a different way nowadays, I guess. Um, That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about turnaround time. Like, so September, what, almost a year later, I'm going to guess that like after they did the pilot, there's probably not a commitment to series until the powers that be that would give them the money for syndication, you know, said, Hey, we can do this. And now we have enough interest from XYZ stations that probably took a while after, right? It's a little different now. Yeah, but uh, uh, this was a, a fun, a fun ride, and I, I'm I'm really excited to watch the rest of it at this point now. Like I'm, I wanna, I'd love to see like another series like this come. Out. I know we got Creep Show and everything nowadays, but I mean, I love anthology, especially anthology horror. Yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, if you're saying to me at some point that we're gonna watch this sequentially and then uh, subjugate everybody to that, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I have the DVDs. Everybody else can go, uh, you know, I don't know, go to Alta Vista or whatever to find them. It's fine. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, this was a fun, fun thing to dig into. It was fun to see uh, a Romero morality tale because that's kind of his bread and butter, right? Is like um, the, the, the haves and the have nots and the haves getting their just desserts. That feels very thematic to me. I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think he focused a lot on class and, um, and disproportionate wealth because that seemed to be something that would run through some of his works. Yeah. I, I, I'm interested in seeing where all the rest of it goes. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, as is the show here, I'm just going, I'm going to throw a twist rating out because you know, it is, it is an anthology horror series. So where's, where's the twist here? That the asshole rich guy would meet his come up and I'm going to give that a one. I, I'm going with a one on that. Too. <laughs> but it was a fun, but that's not the, like, I don't know. Like sometimes, sometimes you know what you're going to get and you, you want to see the bad guys get, you know, they, you want to see them get theirs right. In terms of like getting their demise. 
So, yeah. Um, I wish it would have been via fasteners or something that he created, but the devil works as well. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. That sometimes it's to, to to watch, you know, something to get away from everything to have a little fun during Halloween, especially. Like, I, I would have ate this up during Halloween time. Like, I always have kind of my own playlist when it comes to Halloween time, and this is going to work into its rotation. So, you know, I just, I mean, sometimes you don't need something that's going to floor you. And then after watching the Twilight Zone as many times as we have, and some of the, uh, you know, the the big twist that happened in that I'm not really surprised by a whole lot of things nowadays, I guess, because well, uh, that's fair. I mean, cause we get more sophisticated, right? Like that's, I mean, cause yeah. the, like we can only, um, we can only build upon what has shown up before. And now that like the twilight zone has set the standard in a lot of ways, but you know, like, um, and yeah, it's like, you can always kind of guess, especially, I know you, you talked about a lot about, um, tales from the crypt there, there was like, you know, the, people will always get punished and and the twilight zone was like not always about people being punished it was always kind of like sometimes it was like well where we're gonna go with this like maybe this maybe the people aren't evil at the center of the story but i think it's easy from a easy is not the right word it's expected from a uh like anthology perspective now to be like oh well who's gonna get dicked over in this and i think tales from the dark side is it, it, somebody's going to get dicked like, and that that's, and, and that's okay. Like that, I think that's the calling card. And I think that's a lot of fun uh, to kind of like, you know, you go home on a Friday night after going to the movies, you're going to watch them tell us from the dark side. Someone's not going to be right in this episode who, I don't know. Um, if I was to tell you that there's an episode where a woman inadvertently wishes her daughter's boyfriend is turned into a ham sandwich that happens in an episode of tales from the dark side. So, you know, it happens. Sometimes, sometimes you get dicked. Sometimes you get turned into a sandwich. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> something different. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, fun talk, uh, fun episode. Uh, people, if you can find from tales from the dark side, it like, um, like I, like I said, I bought this for relatively cheap at like the physical copies of Best Buy at the time. Uh, I don't know if it, it has to still be in print, right? This feels like this is a thing that's always going to be available to buy physically. Um, cause why not? Like this should be, you know, if you guys like anthologies, this should be an easy one to slot in and just buy it. There's, there's a lot of fun to be had here. Um, and then streaming wise, I know Terry, like, you know, he, uh, went into the matrix and, um, found it. It's out there too. And if there's other tales from the dark side episodes, you guys would like us to cover, please. Uh, and then, you know, go back and listen to the episode seasons of belief. Um, the Grither is a worthy addition to all Christmas, uh, lore, right? There, there's, I, I don't know. I, I like Tales from the Dark Side. It doesn't, it doesn't ever, it doesn't swing for the fences, but it's definitely a good, like, you know, um, I don't know, uh, a double, like sometimes, you know, a, a triple. If you, if you slide into the third, I have no good analogies for that. No, and, and I honestly, if you do like monsters or you do like, um, the, you know, are you afraid of the dark? I think this fits in very well. Um, yeah. And, you know, like there's going to be more mature episodes. I know it. I, I, I've heard of them. And so probably there, even like there's a Stephen King the episode. Crypt. There's actually a Stephen King episode too, that he wrote a script that he submitted to amazing stories and Spielberg's like, this isn't amazing enough. So it ended up becoming an episode of tales from the dark side called sorry, right number that, um, you know, maybe we'll dig into that at some point. Yeah. I, I especially want to cover uh, inside the closet at some point, or at least watch it with you. Cause it's directed by Tom Savini. It's, 
it's got a little monster in it. So oh, it's the cover. It's the cover of the Tales from the Dark Side series, and that's the one that bothered me a lot as a kid. So yeah, maybe if you want me to be upset and terror pee all over the place, as if a bear's attacking me, we can cover that. All right, yeah. So. <laughs> Hashtag therapy. All right. So, all right. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. You guys can find us at strange highways on Facebook. You can email us directly at strange highways, podcast, gmail.com, uh, wherever you find your podcast rate reviews would be greatly appreciated. Um, if you're enjoying the conversation, uh, one join in, please. We love, we love feedback. And, and, and also, um, you know, if you like, you like this, and you want to tell the people like, Hey, maybe check this out. We'd appreciate it as well. And Terry, how can people find us otherwise? So on Instagram, we are Strange High- Highways Podcast. Please check us out on there. Give us a follow. Um, you know, like some of the stuff that we're putting on there. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna start playing around with that and putting some maybe some kind of games or something like that. And I got some. Uh, I got some things brewing. We'll see how that works out. But uh, please, like Paul said, give us some kind of rating. Um, reach out to us in some format. Tell us what you like, man. Tell us what we should be covering in the future. Maybe. You know, maybe Tales from the Dark Side isn't your jam, but, you know, you know an anthology series that we should cover, or even a movie. Like, we are open to just about anything, and soon enough we're going to be done with the Twilight Zone um, Season 5 here, and we're looking for input on what else to cover. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the, the, so next week... Um, uh, we're going to continue our detours and a, a detour. We're going to do a bit of a U-turn. How about this? We're going to do a thing uh, that's been on my list for a while uh, because on my list of shame and where I feel like I I fell on my keys. Um, and um, so what we're going to do is uh, it, this is a first for the series, sir. But, you know, just hold on to your butts here. Um, season two, episode 15 of The Twilight Zone was The Invaders which is a very important episode of the series. We've covered it previously on the podcast. The audio on that is not great. That's my fault. Uh, no fault of the conversation and the people involved. However, I would like to revisit it because I feel like, um, I feel like I owe it to this episode because I adore this episode and, and I've not, I've not had a conversation with Terry about it. And we're going to bring on our friend Richard uh, on the show who joined us for uh, Terror at 20,000 Feet. Uh, and he actually showed me that he bought a book of uh, Matheson Twilight Zone scripts. So he actually has a script. He's going to read it. Um, so that's, that's you know, may not be the same thing that was shot. Um, but we're going to revisit The Invaders. And I'm looking forward to this because I love this episode. But I've not watched it in three years. So it'd be great to rewatch it. And I would love to have a conversation with Terry and uh, Richard about it. That's what we're doing next week. We're going to do a revisit of the season two episode, The Invaders. Yeah, and Richard and I are stoked about this. We're getting pumped. Uh, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun uh, with this conversation. Yeah, so that's going to be next week. And then we'll, we'll talk about what we're doing from there. But I, I love these detours. I love that we got into some stuff from the dark side. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been fun. So have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, I don't know if... if um, if your entire house is a series of jump ropes and pulleys, then maybe, I mean, right now we're in a pandemic, so that's probably what you're at now, but I'd say otherwise, I'd say get out more. That's what I'd say about that. Uh, and uh, if you are going to make a haunted house, make it the scariest damn thing that you can do for any child.